winds up Driving when the sun goes down The hum of 18 wheels Lord, that's a lonely sound I spend all day Chasing that old white line I've been on the road so long I've lost track of time Now it don't matter where I'm going I just gotta drive I have that white line fever till the day song is just for you out there on that old lonesome road driver we'd appreciate it if you let us get up inside your truck ride down the road a little bit and we've got a powerful program for you today our our good friend jack norton is going to share his story with us today and what a powerful powerful story it is jack's an over-the-road truck driver and talk about a store-bought truck <laughs> oh my, wow man this thing's got chrome dripping off of chrome <laughs> Jack lives uh, uh, about a quarter mile from a chrome shop, and boy, does it show. <laughs> yeah, he lives over in East Tennessee, and he's country as a well rope, <laughs> yeah. and he puts all them Kentucky go-fasters on that big old store-bought truck. It, it shines It shines at night with the lights out. <laughs> it sure does. But Jack's a great guy, and he has a great testimony, and he's going to share that with you today. Gary, you introduced me to Jack. I didn't think there's anybody out there that crazy. <laughs> I mean, I met some crazy people, but Jack is, when he tells you he's your friend, be ready, you have a friend. That's right. And he's a good man. He's an honest man. Well, he, at least he tells me he is. I don't know. But no, he's a good man. And uh, Joyce and I was able to go over and stay at his house yeah. one time. He invited us over. Well, yeah. maybe I invited myself over. You can do that, drivers. Yeah. Call him up. Just call him up. We'll give you his number here in a minute. Say, yeah. Jack, we're coming over. But he is a good guy, and uh, he's one of the Channel 21 chaplains, road chaplains. Uh, he's out there doing what the good Lord's told him to do. He gets out there double-clutching that old diesel truck and moves up and down the highway and talks about the Lord. But there's a reason he does that, and that's going to be his story in a few minutes. You're going to be amazed at uh, what God has done in the life of this, this truck driver. You know, I know everybody thinks that when somebody gets on here and starts talking about God that we're all saints. Well, guess what? St. Gary, we're not a saint. <laughs> no, we're not even close. We're not even close. But we are following God. And yes. that's what it that's what it takes. We got to get behind him and let him lead us to where he wants to take us. Yeah. And I'm sure when you listen to Jack's story and what God has done for him, and what he's put his family through, one of our last programs was talking about 
putting your family in an ark. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And man, Jack's family was out there in the water struggling. The door was closing. Yes. It was close. Yeah. By the grace of God, the Lord helped Jack get his life back on track and his family. He cried out to God and God saved him, brought him in that ark. And hey, I will give you Jack's phone number because you may want to talk to Jack after you hear his testimony. Jack's phone number is 704-308-0716. You know, I was coming across Arkansas just a while ago. I'd been out west for a week or so. I just came through Little Rock, and I was making real good time. I came up on the back of this Dallas-Memphis mail truck. Apparently, the driver saw the cross in my grill. He picked up his mic, and he said, Well, pass the plate and pay the lady. You know, it just run all over me. I could feel the hair raise up on the back of my neck. I picked up my microphone and I said, Driver, I think it's a dirty, rotten shame that you compare what Jesus Christ did on the cross for what somebody else might have done. The radio was kind of quiet, but God was keeping a clear channel. In a couple minutes, he came back to me. He said, Preacher, is it real? I said, yes, driver, it's real. But I still didn't want to talk to him. I was kind of upset with him about the way he talked about the cross and what Christ had done for me. A couple of minutes went by and he came back again. He said, preacher, how do you know it's real? I said, driver, I used to leave home with a fifth of vodka sitting between my legs, a bottle of speed upon the dash, two cartons of cigarettes to make sure I didn't run out from truck stop to truck stop. Wasn't hardly anything I wouldn't do or say. But you know, when Jesus Christ came into my life, I never needed none of that no more. A couple minutes went by, he said, preacher, would you pull over and pray with me? I want to be saved. I said, yes, driver, I will. You got to pray from your heart and not your head. You got to mean what you say. I met him at the back of my truck and we began to pray. I know my brother accepted Jesus that day. And before too long, we were back in our trucks and on the road again. I went back to him on the microphone and I said, driver, how do you feel? He said, with every mile that I drive, I feel that much better. I said, driver, if I never see you on this earth again, I will see you in heaven. God bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now here's the testimony. Our good friend. Our good friend, Jack Norton. Okay, first of all, I want to thank the Lord. Uh, it's an opportunity to be with you all, Brother Gary, and our brothers and sisters here. Man, it's just been a blessing. And I believe with all my heart that it's an ordained appointment because I've been wanting to do this. And I just pray that that somehow through this thing, somebody, another driver, will find Jesus through this or get deliverance just like I did. But I put scriptures with this thing over and over, and it seems like every scripture in the Bible fits my life when it comes mm -hmm. to deliverance. But... There's one that always sticks with my mind. It's in Psalms 116. I'd like to re read it if I could. But David said here, and said, I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplications. Because he has inclined his ear unto me, therefore I will call upon him as long as I live. The sorrows of death has compassed me, and the pains of hell got hold upon me. I found trouble and sorrow. Then I call upon the name of the Lord. Oh, Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. And I just thank Jesus because he has delivered my soul. Yes, I don't deserve what I have, but 
but at an early age, I was uh, raised in Alabama, and uh, my family was an alcoholic family on my daddy's side. My mother, my grandmother, they were always Pentecostals, took us to church every Sunday, every morning, Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday, sometime revivals all week long. And I remember growing up, it was a war going on between family about church and about alcohol. Family of alcoholism on my father's side was just one thing after one party, one big drinking party every weekend. And from eight or nine year old in our family, it was always a battle on Friday night. And you could tell on a Friday night when my dad got to drinking, when you heard Roy Acuff or Bill Monroe, the bluegrass music, that there was gonna be a fight, especially on Friday night. Friday nights, we prepared to come home on Saturday morning to my dad or something, a fight, but my dad would beat on my mother and fight. And uh, it was always a fist fight. Come Sunday morning, church seemed like a safe haven place for us to go. My mother would take us to church. My dad never would go with us. And Growing up from seven, eight, nine-year-old, we would remember these fights every weekend. It was just terrible. I mean, it was, uh, you wondered why God would allow these things. But uh, at times in our life, I've seen my, my dad uh, beat on my mother, and my mother would just holler, help me, Jesus, help me, Jesus. She took a butcher knife one time, almost cut his arm off, and just hollering, help me, Jesus. It was just a fight every weekend. It was a war going on with me, and I was confused. My brother was confused. And this went on for weekends, every weekend, up till we was, you know, eight or 10 year old. And uh, so on Sundays when we go to church, we would come home, and uh, my dad would always be angry with my mother over the fighting and over the things that was going on, you know, over her going to church. Right. I mean, it became a war for them to find out we'd go to church. So we, we lived with this all of our life. At one time, we had houses to burn down because of fights and windshields to get busted out. All this went on for years. And as we became a little older and grew up to be teenagers, my mother would still go to church and take us to church and we moved up to Tennessee and transferred just to get away from the hell and the fighting and everything else. My mom remarried. Thank the Lord for my stepdad every day. We moved to Tennessee and, and my mother had found a church up there and began to witness to us about how good God is. And in my mind, I always wondered if God was so good, why would he allow my mother to be beat on every weekend by a drunk alcoholic person? So in high school, the next thing I know, I was following in my dad's footsteps at a teenager, got involved with alcohol. So got involved with alcohol and I had a, my uncle that I always looked up to, he drove a truck and I thought, well, maybe I could escape this thing by getting in a truck. And uh, started looking back at my past whenever I was uh, seven or eight year old, my cousins always called me a leader, just aggravate me and I was like, on the football team or baseball team, but crossing the road one time as I was getting to look back in the past and seeing that this alcohol was making me go backwards and look where I had been and wasn't going anywhere. Had a cousin one time, two, little, two of my cousins, we were standing in front of the road at my grandmother's house. And uh, my grandmother was standing on the other side of the road and was wanting us to come across the road to her house to Bless be in a safe haven away from uh, all the alcohol on a Saturday, Saturday evening. And they were all Christians, my grandmother, my mother, and my aunt. And my, my aunt was on the other side of the road watching one time, and they said, Jack, bring them across the road. And as I led my cousins across the road, a car come over a hill and hit my cousin running 80 miles an hour. But he had followed me across the road. And I watched his mother pick him up and run up the road with a, like a wash rag. He was a vegetable, blood everywhere at seven years old. And uh, I began to have feel, I felt guilty about this all my life. So as we got older and I got involved in drugs with alcohol, my past would haunt me and I would just drink more and more. And my aunt lost her mind that day. And every time we would go home for Christmas or holidays, I would see my aunt and I'd want to drink more, just anything to, to just pass away the pain, thinking that it was doing good. And eventually my aunt passed away and she lost her mind. They put her in mental hospitals and everything else. And Got involved with alcohol in the 80s and got involved in trucking and 
Mountain Home, Idaho in 1984. Gentleman stopped us on the side of the road. We was in a snowstorm in Mountain Home, Idaho. And guy introduced me something called methamphetamine, which was called crank. And we had to be in Portland, Oregon that day. And, you know, and I just had a terrible past. I didn't realize what God was doing, but he really watched over us all these times. And anyway, this guy introduced me to something called meth. And uh, I took pills in high school and everything else. And I thought maybe a pill here or a beer here. Well, not going to hurt. And I was working in a factory taking pills and everything else. I said, you know, what's the harm? You know, I can be, I can go overnight and get hooked on meth. You know, I didn't, didn't think there would ever be a time when you could get hooked on meth, but done it just to go to work, you know, run more miles and do a little bit more. But anyway, it come a time in the 80s to where I was spending my check, paycheck on methamphetamine on crank. Meet up with a gang of truck drivers. Look forward to running to California and back, hauling drugs and doing drugs through the 80s and my wife we've been married since 1983 been together all of our life all through high school and uh, didn't realize it was destroying my family come home every weekend after being up five six seven days doing meth and remember my past thinking this was going to get me over my past so doing these drugs over the from the 80s and through the 90s alcohol every weekend and doing meth I thought oh, maybe I'll come off the road. 1992, 91, 92, I came off the road to try to escape the problem of meth. Home every night, and I realized instead of escaping the problem of meth, I turned right back to the alcohol. My wife was a Christian, went to church every Sunday morning. I can remember coming in on Saturday nights drunk, and my wife laying hands on him, praying, Lord, thank you for bringing him home, watching over him, and keeping him safe. And so in 92, I come off the road, off, off the road, and got involved with drinking and went to work for a guy. The guy approached me and said, uh, you know, look, we can make some serious money tonight. You know, I didn't know Jesus at this time and was tempted by everything that Satan had, right. not realizing that Satan had a hold on my soul. And Satan was using me to do evil and no good. And So in the 90s, I got involved with a guy, and we got into stealing uh, all kinds of crime. This guy, we was making $5,000 a night, $6,000 a night, stealing trucks and, you know, stealing commercial vehicles and things like this. And realized that this was going to destroy my marriage. My wife told me, she said, uh, it's time to quit. She said, I've asked you to go to church with me for 10, 15 years. I'm giving up. She served the divorce papers on me. At the time, I did not realize what I was doing, but I kept on doing it. It didn't matter. I was so selfish, just like anybody that's hooked on drugs and pills and meth. I was doing it all, thinking that I was having a good time. But my wife transferred to North Carolina in 93, maybe 92. In 95, I had a son that was born premature. He was born at seven months. And God began to deal with me. And a lady at church, my wife was going to, invited me to church. And a preacher came to my house and invited me to come to church and told me I was going to hell. All my life I'd heard about God and heard about hell, but i never heard about the love of Jesus. But my son was born, he weighed three pounds. And a buddy of mine called me from Tennessee and he said, don't make God no promises that you ain't going to keep. So I went down into the chaplain in the hospital and at, uh, and, and asked God to forgive me, but I turned right around and did the same thing I was doing before. And uh, so in 95, 96, 97, got back on the meth, bought a truck, went back over the road, was running California and back, got hooked on meth again, taking pills. 97, 98, uh, God began to deal with me again, and I just kept on running, kept on feeling something tugging at my heart. In 1997, I loaded a load of military vehicles in 29 Palms, California. I remember it just like today. I was coming home, and uh, the load was going up somewhere in Pennsylvania. And I stopped and got my son, wanted to take him with me. And my wife wanted, wouldn't let me take him with me because I was on drugs and had been up five days. And she could tell I'd been on, on crank for four or five days. and She wouldn't let me take him with me, so... So this was a battle going on over my son, about to lose my home and my marriage over drugs. And December '99, I had uh, 
took another load to California and come home. And uh, my wife wasn't going to let me take him with again. It was a war with my son. And I look back at my past. My life was becoming the same life my mother and my daddy had. Mm-hmm. Fighting over religion. Fighting over drugs where I was wrong and he was right. And I just started calling out to God, but I didn't know God. In December of 1999, strung out on meth. I came home and uh, took a nine millimeter pistol. Strung out on meth. I cocked a hammer back on a nine millimeter pistol, a Smith and Wesson pistol. Had been up four or five days. And uh, my wife had uh, told me she was gonna leave me and take my son. And I couldn't stand the thought of this, my wife taking my son. I'd uh, truck payment behind on meth, about to lose everything I had with a nine millimeter pistol cocked up to my mouth and my son walked up to me at five years old behind me, stuck his hand out like this right here. I said, daddy, daddy. And I laid the pistol down on the edge of the bed. And my wife said, if you'll just give your life to Jesus, she said, everything will be all right. And I'd heard God all my life. Mm-hmm. I'd heard about God, heard about hell, but I've never heard about the love of Jesus that night. In December the 12th of 1999, my wife stuck her hand out. She said, everything that you've went through in the past, God knows about. Everything that you're going to do in the future, God knows about. And my wife stuck her hand out. And she said, all you've got to do is accept Jesus in your heart and believe that he is going to do this and he'll deliver you from it. And I looked at that nine millimeter pistol and I wanted so much to end my life and I had it in my mind that it's going to take this pistol and kill all three of us. And I looked over and there's my wife. She stuck her hand out at it. And before I could even look at her, and before I kneeled down on my knees, the power of God just come in and saved me and set me free, delivered me right then. And I stood up. And I just started crying out to Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And it was on a Saturday night, and I realized that I was becoming the same guy on alcohol and drugs. And it all started because of one pill, one beer, and one, one, one little line of crank. So I left that night, and I wanted to tell everybody about Jesus, what he had done in my life. I went to a little Pentecostal church on Saturday night down in Alabama, and I walked in on Sunday in the church down in Alabama where my grandmother was, where they took us when we was kids. I walked into church and I looked and my grandmother was standing up with both hands up in the air, praising God. And as I walked down the aisle, my grandmother turned around and she said, the Lord told me last night about 10 o'clock that you was coming. And she said, I knew you was coming. I just didn't know when. But I knew you was coming because he told me today's today. But when I knelt down at that altar and said, Lord, please forgive me. Help me and turn my life over to him. And he saved me right there. December the 12th, 1999. And now I just want to tell everybody what God's done in my life because only God can set you free from the drugs and the alcohol and the pornography and the things that you do and the idols that we have. But without the love of Jesus, without asking Jesus to come into your heart, you'll never make it. I love Jesus with all my heart and my soul and I thank him for it. My wife didn't never condemn me, never try to say, preach me into heaven or hell. She just always tell me Jesus loved me. But that one day, when my wife stuck her hand out, she said, if you'll just ask Jesus to come into your heart, that cross, the blood-stained cross of Calvary, yes. where that blood came dripping down that cross. Yes. When I seen that that night, I said, I realized that that Lord, that blood was for me. Yes. That right. one drop cleansed me right then. It was yes. for me. If nobody else gets anything out of it, I just seen that cross that night. And it come to where I had to come to the cross. 
And I look, I can see that blood now. Anything, uh, the word blood, even in Ezekiel, when I think about the blood, right. first thing it reminds me of, even in the Old Testament, when they slaughter a calf, I think about the blood of Calvary on, a, on Calvary's hill. And I think about the cross that Jesus died and wept on for me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Jack, you brought, also brought a, a letter here that you was wanting to read, uh, and uh, your your testimonies about uh, you had drugs in your life, meth and and other drugs too. And this this letter here, uh, tell us a little bit about this letter, and and go ahead and read this letter if you want. Yeah, this letter uh, was handed to me, and the first time I've ever went up before a church, and and uh, we had a had a revival going on with a testimony of another guy that Brother Gary gives out, Buddy Ferris, but a gentleman walked up to me and handed me this testimony, and I didn't realize that it was about my life, and most of the truck drivers that's uh, been doing it through the 80s, probably this may be relate to, but says this letter was written by a 21-year-old young lady who died from an overdose of meth. said her parents found this in her dresser, and uh, they wanted me to read it one night in this uh, place where we was uh, sharing the gospel, but I'd like to read this to you. and Maybe uh, some of you drivers, it'll give you an understanding about meth. But it says, Meet Mr. and Mrs. Meth. It says, I destroy homes. I tear families apart. I take your children, and that's just a start. I am more valued than diamonds, more precious than gold. The sorrow I bring is a sight to behold. If you need me, remember I am easily found. I live all around in your schools and in your towns. I, I live with the rich. I live with the poor. I live just down the street, maybe next door. I am made in a lab, but not like you think. I can be made underneath the kitchen sink. Your child's or out in the woods or in your closet. If it scares you, to death, it certainly should. I have many names, but there is one you will know me best. I am sure you have heard of me. My name is Crystal Meth. My power is awesome. Try, you will see, but if you do, you may never break free. Just try me once, and I won't let you go. But if you try me twice, I will own your soul. When I possess you, you will cheat and lie, and when you do what you have to do just to get high, the crimes you will commit for my narcotic charms, will it be worth the pleasures you feel in my arms? You will lie to your mother, steal from your dad. You will see their tears, you must feel sad. You forget your morals, that you were how you were raised. I will be your conscience. I will teach you my ways. I will take your kids from their parents. I take parents from their kids. I turn people from God. I separate friends. I take everything from you, including your looks and your pride. I will be with you always right by your side. You'll give up everything, your family, your home, your money, and your true friends, and then you will be alone. I'll take you, and I'll take you until you have no more to give. When I am finished with you, you will be lucky to live. If you try me, you are warned. This is not a game. If I've given you the chance, I will drive you insane. I'll ravage your body. I'll control your mind. I'll own you completely. Your soul will be mine. The nightmares I will give you. When you are lying in bed, the voices you will hear from inside your head, the sweats, the shakes, the visions from me, I want you to know these things are gifts from me. But then it's too late. You'll know in your heart that you're mine, and now it shall, we shall not apart. You'll, great, you'll regret the day you tried me, and you'll always do. But you came to me, I not to you. You knew this would happen many times, you were told. But the, you challenge my power and choose to be bold. You could have said no and then walked away. If you could live that day over, what would you say? 
My power is awesome, and I told you before, I'll take your life and make it dim and soar. I'll be your master. You will be my slave. I will even give you what you crave. Now you have met me, what will you do? I can show you more misery than words can tell you. Come and let me hold your hand. Let me tell you, take you to hell. This was written by Alicia, a uh, 21-year-old go, old girl that overdosed on meth. Same problems that I dealt with, same stuff that a lot of drivers dealt with. It just takes one beer, one cigarette, or one, one, one gram of crank or one line of crank turns into something that can take you hell. But like Brother Danny said, only Jesus Christ can set you through, through from the demonic oppressions of hell. But just, uh, we have a lot of guys that's uh, been addicted to meth, a lot of recovering addicts, a lot of recovering alcoholics have uh, got online with us and got our phone numbers. We have prayer together for people who struggle with addictions. But uh, if you know somebody that's addicted to meth, you want to pray about them or just want their name on our prayer list, we've got a prayer list on the inside of my trailer. I'll be glad to add their names to it because I know that the power of gospel and only the blood of Jesus Christ can clean you from your sins. There's no other way to get to heaven except through Jesus. And the only way you're going to get there is to be cleansed and sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost will help you get through these struggles that you're going through. So just pray and ask God. And, and Brother Gary has my phone number. If you know somebody, if you just want to talk one-on-one, you can call me, leave me a message. I'll call you back when I can, or we'll get a group of guys just to just to pray. Well, we're online. I work Monday through Friday, but some of these guys work all weekend. They're going across the country. I can hook you up, give you their numbers, but the power of God is awesome. And let's glorify God, and let's do something about it. Amen. 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 That's why it says on my windshield, Jeremiah 33, Call unto me, and I will show you the great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Man, there's no way you could have known, any of us could have known we'd been doing this right here today. Because I had never, man, that had to be the power of God just to put us together. I tell you, I just, I feel the Holy Ghost in here right now, boy. I'm, I'm just enjoying this. <laughs> there's a scripture right here that, it really just it hits me in the face, but it's a wonderful scripture. It's in uh, Matthew 5 and 16. It says, Let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works that glorify your God in heaven. That right there, I don't care if you're in front of the next truck stop or the guy cuts you off at exit ramp, you got to reflect back on that scripture right there, how you're going to react. Because if your light ain't shining for God, it's shining the other way. It's That's awful right. dim. <laughs> and I and I like it right here. I mean, I just when I go wrong, I thought, well, maybe ain't nobody looking, but he's looking. <laughs> yeah, my brother kids me a lot. Uh, seems like all the people that we used to run around with now uh, seems like I'm finding those same guys that's not been delivered yet. But the set, the testimonies here that Brother Gary passes out is actually what turned my life around. It made me more bolder, maybe approach people. And my brother accused me. He said, uh, he said it seemed like everywhere he opens the door, God just people, God sends people His way. And my brother made a comment one time. His name's Randy, and he said, Yeah, he said God's making him go get all those people that he was leading to hell, he's making him go back and get them. <laughs> but it's been a blessing. The testimony, everybody, every truck driver on this, just listen to this right now, you have a testimony. God has done something in your life and it's not doing anybody or God no good if you don't share it. Because when God uses us to tell somebody else what he's done in our life, he gets honor and glory out of it. And uh, it's been a it's been a great witness to me. You say you can't witness to nobody. Hand them a CD and see what God does with it. Right. You walk up to a complete stranger. He's blessed me, and and uh, I'm thankful. I mean, I just love him and I praise him. And it can be at a truck stop. It can be at a warehouse. The CDs that Brother Gary gives is a, a doorway, an open doorway to a lost and dying, hurting soul that needs to hear the gospel through the power of a testimony. I mean, he can use. If he can turn my life around, and I left out a lot, uh, I'd be glad to share it with anybody. I mean, we have a ministry on a cell phone, and there's probably every driver on the road all of your life used to talk about women being on the telephone. Now, guess what? The women talk about the men being on the telephone. So we've used the telephones 
as a telephone ministry to call one another free right. minutes have telephone ministries have prayer have devotions you know on, on lines every day on these conference calls uh somebody's hurting you just call your buddy and say look let's call him you could tie 50 to 100 people on one telephone call right. and god's using a telephone ministry with a cd ministry right now for somebody else so it's just a doorway it's a gateway to somebody else to get to heaven and i thank him for it yes praise, praise the lord all right, Jack, well, tell us, uh, how did we get in contact with this uh, telephone ministry? What, what does the driver have to do to uh, get involved with this? It's called Conference Line Ministries. Uh, it's free. Uh, we used to have a uh, church service on Wednesday night because the drivers missed out on Wednesday night. We would actually pull over on exit ramps, and everybody had three-way call, and you would three-way somebody in. Well, just like in the Word and just like in obeying God, everybody wasn't obedient. So if you didn't pull over and you lost service, you had 25 people, then you would actually lose, somebody would lose service. So now we prayed and the Lord gave us something called freeconferencecall.com. And we have a conference call that we have church service on Tuesday nights at 9 o'clock. And uh, it, uh, you call that number at 9 o'clock long and we got a preacher that's been preaching for eight years on this. And we have devotions. We read it today, and you can call my number. We read devotions, you know, and pray for people, families, anywhere else, and we just direct them to the conference law. But it's free. You can set your own conference call up. And it's, man, it's just been powerful. It's, it's a way to give God more honor and glory than you could ever imagine is to call and praise God over a telephone when you're riding down the road. And if you just need somebody who needs prayer, you can call my number, call anybody else, any of the, any of the guys that seems like that we run around with. Everybody's involved in it. It's a telephone now that's used for God's glory. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Free conference call. You can make your own, own testimony on, on, on this thing and record it. We recorded some stuff that Brother Gary, one of his CDs before, and, and went back and listened to it and uh, parts of it. But it's, it's just awesome testimony. Freeconferencecall.com. Right. But uh, you can call me, and I'll be glad to give you the number of where we're at. And we have fellowship all day long, and been on the side of the road in the middle of the middle of town somewhere. Pull off on an exit room. People hear about it over a over a telephone. Pull over and lay hands on people, and just it's just awesome. Just uh, anything that gives God glory is awesome. That's the only thing. He, he is the only thing in the world that pertains to awesome. My number is seven zero four three zero eight zero seven one six. Even if you just need prayer. Sometimes, you know, I'm like Brother Gary, I don't have 1,900 phone numbers in my phone, but my wife makes me turn my phone off when I get in the evening, but if you leave a message from 8 o'clock the next morning till I get back home every day, I would be glad to pray with you and can hook you up with some of these brothers in Christ where we have a good phone ministry. With the tape ministry and CD ministry and phone ministry, there's a, uh, you brought up the drivers that, that maybe be struggling. Yeah. Maybe they're struggling. Maybe don't have anybody to talk to. Maybe went through a bad time at home before they left. But there's some scriptures in Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 4, verse 9, where it says that two are better than one because they have the good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift the other up. But woe unto him that is alone when he falleth. He had not another to help him up. And I'm a firm believer that when two or more gather in his name, it's easier to overcome the temptations together. You grow in the gospel with each other by reading his word and talking about his word. Just being with you guys here today, it's just like, it's just I feel the anointing right now. It's, it's like the power of the gospel that ordained this appointment here today. And man, it's just, it's just so wonderful that God could put something like this together. I mean, the power is just awesome. I mean, the Holy Ghost, when it... He's like right now, I mean, it's just wonderful. I mean, right now I feel like it's time to pray for your wife and everybody in here, brother. I mean, I just, I feel good. Let's do it. It was a man sent from heaven, a prophet in our midst. When it came to his preaching, on your silence he'd insist. He led my soul to Jesus and set my spirit free. He was a man sent from heaven, born in Tennessee. 
Just a few miles from Knoxville In that smoky mountain hay Well, he learned all about Jesus All through his younger days He preached to the wildlife Before he got around to me Was a man sent from heaven, born in Tennessee. Through the hills and the hollers, he'd roam from town to town. Preaching revival to the souls from miles around. them on the knees This man sent from heaven born in Tennessee That whole four-room cabin Sometimes I'd wake up in the night I'd see him with his Bible Written by the cold old line As I watched my father I saw the man I'd like to be It was a man sent from heaven Born in Tennessee Through the hills and the hollers He'd roam from town to town Preaching revival To the souls from miles around And the sinners who doubted He'd soon have them on their knees He was a man sent from heaven Born in Tennessee He was a man sent from heaven Born in Tennessee What a powerful message by Jack Norton. And drivers, I don't know where you're at. I don't know what's going on in your life. But God does. And if you want to cry out to Him and ask Him to come into your heart, then all you got to do is pray a simple little prayer. It can be, Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. I surrender my life totally to you. Come into my life and I will live for you from this day forward. If you pray just a simple little prayer like that right there, drivers, God will save you. Open up your heart and cry out to Him and watch what God can do in your life. Here's another song by Joy. I found myself on a walkway But I couldn't help but run Driving my life in the fast lane Not far ahead of the gun I take a pill to get up in the morning And the whiskey got me to bed Never thought I'd ever see 40 All I've been through, guess I should be dead I was searching for a life full of profit 
was carrying my gold in a pocket when it told me of riches untold. I was searching for the end of the rainbow when I found where the rainbow began. Always told me trust Jesus. I'd tell him he was just a man, and I was hell bent to be a free bird to fly away and never land. Mama was right about Jesus He's the way, he's the truth, and he's the life He walked through hell to free us I've walked through hell to find his life Searching for a life full of profit When I heard from a prophet of old I was carrying my gold in a pocket When he told me of riches untold Searching for the end of the rainbow When I found where the rainbow begins Yes, I found where the rainbow begins Driver, if you prayed that prayer, that simple prayer, give us a call at Channel 21 Ministries. 618-383-2107. We would love to hear from you, and we want to help you out there on that old lonesome road.
to tuck me into a ride Said I wouldn't be sorry Ah, but she was just a baby Hey, waitress, pour me another cup of coffee Pop it down, jack me up, shoot me out Flying down the highway Looking for the Here's a song off of our Lonesome Road Volume 1, Dennis McKay, The McKay Project, with Taking Me Home. Seems to end 
time Cell phones keep me from losing my mind Lord beside me, he's leading the way Praying I'll be home today Take me home Back where I belong He's taking me Friends, if you prayed and asked Jesus Christ into your heart, then we want you to give us a call. Our phone number is 618-383-2107, and we're going to end today's program like we end most of our programs. That's with my testimony in song that I wrote with the help of my songwriting partner, Tom Caldwell. And now we've got a new songwriting partner, Dennis McKay, and he has helped us with this song and brought it up to a new level. Here's... Dennis McKay with At the Foot of the Tree off of our brand new CD, Lonesome Road, Volume 1. And yes, you'll be able to get a copy of this CD by calling us, 618-383-2107. Here's Dennis McKay with At the Foot of the Tree. Lost without hope Eighteen wheels of lonesome At the end of the road In my hand was a track The preacher had read His words still echoing In the back of my head I felt so ashamed When I thought of my past I called his name This chance would it be my last Then I saw Jesus Hanging on that tree I lifted up my heart From down on my knees Today I met Jesus At the foot of the cross Broken hearted and lonesome So long I've been lost I left a lifetime of misery At the foot of the tree Those eighteen wheels are rolling that old lonesome road And I shared the good news Wherever I go Yes, there's been a change I'm not the man I used to be And I tell everybody What's happened to me How I felt so ashamed When I thought of my past but I called his name This chance Could it be my last Then I saw Jesus Hanging on that tree And I lifted up my heart From down on my knees Today I met Jesus At the foot of the cross Broken hearted and lonesome So long I've been lost 
I left a lifetime of misery At the foot of the tree Then I saw Jesus hanging on that tree I lifted up my heart from down on my knees Today I met Jesus at the foot of the cross Brokenhearted and lonesome So long I'd been lost I left a lifetime of misery At the foot of the tree 